What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Dan Cable Presents Podcast Network, Volume 18 of I Dig Records is in store for you. My cousin, Rob Bobby Grooves, and I will be talking about Title Fight's 2015 release, Hyperview, on Anti-Records this time around. If you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, just a great way 
to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do that. And you can also find the podcast on Spotify now if that is your preferred place of listening. I've also been dropping some monthly playlists there every first of the month. So you can stay tuned for that June one coming at you in just a few days or so. You can give that a follow as well so you know when the uh, the new ones are dropping. Trying to keep those playlists spread out pretty wide genre-wise and uh, just kind of share what I'm listening to throughout the month and the new stuff that I'm discovering. And I'll also, in the episode notes, put the links for the Dan Cable Presents t-shirts, the It's a Program t-shirts, the Stay Up, Stay Tuned, or the Extra Buttered versions of those, as well as the Dan Cable Presents mugs will also be there. And the links for my my cousin's bands as well will be there. High Pulp, check them out. Sun King, check them out. Check out his record label, Inside Voices Records, who's been... Uh, dropping some some tunes from a few artists recently so that will all be there for you i'm out here in california amidst a a three-week road trip i'm actually in my dad's garage right now recording this intro so that i don't have to sit in the house and record this and in front of everybody and uh yeah it's good to be uh back in the in the hometown it's always uh Nice to come back here and reflect, and uh, it's been a couple years since I've, I've made it down here, so great to be down here with my pops and the rest of the, the fam and get to hopefully see some old friends along the way as well. It's uh, it's nice to be in the heat for, for a change. It's still uh, still doing some raining up there in Portland, Oregon, so I'm, I'm happy to be uh, basking in the sun and uh been cruising around doing some podcasts out here and that's been really great so i'm excited to to share those including one this coming friday with uh producer beat maker composer multi-instrumentalist calvin valentine had a great chat with him earlier in the week so that'll be coming at you on friday and i will share more about my uh my california adventures there don't want to take up too much of your time here before we jump into this volume of i dig records but uh if you're a portland local i do want to shout out a few calendar dates coming at you at produce row cafe every wednesday and sunday there's free music there wednesdays 6 to 8 p.m and sundays 1 to 3 p.m and this sunday may 30th you can find dre slaps doing a dj set down there He'll be playing a bunch of killer tunes. Dre came on the podcast real early on as the uh, the DJ for Mike Capes, and that's how I met him. That had to have been five years ago now. And another former guest of the podcast will be playing on June 2nd, Blaine Hennerwin, who uh, is from the band Pretty Gritty, who've been on multiple times. Stoked to see him playing a, uh, a solo set down there June 2nd. And then June 6th, Miguel Hernandez will be down there doing a duo set. And June 9th, Jeff Chilton, who is another former guest of this podcast, will be down there. He has a a group called JC Proof, and uh, he'll probably be down there with uh, another person or two 
playing the jams. Check out the new JC Proof record that came out recently. It's really great. A couple of those tunes have definitely made it into my DJ sets. And then uh, we got Brunch with Beats on Sunday, June 13th. Splurgeon will be down there throwing together a beat set. So that's the next couple weeks coming at you over there at Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. Can't thank them enough for them supporting the podcast and uh, just a great place to to see free music on the weekly. They've also got great food and uh, a super friendly staff down there. So that's all the ramblings up top. We're going to get into volume 18 of I Dig Records with my cuzzo, Rob Bobby Grooves, this time talking about the title fight record from 2015, Hyperview. Let's do the damn thing. I just want everybody to know that I dig records. I dig records, bro. I dig records, bro. I dig records. Volume 18. 18 year old. 18. Kids joining the military now. You can buy cigarettes. Buy cigarettes and go go fight and vote. Um, what else can you do when you're 18? You can drink in Canada, I think. In certain parts of Canada, though. Hmm. I think I think in Montreal you can drink at 18, but I don't. I think 19 is the rest of the. I don't know. I make. I don't. I don't know. You can do a lot of shit though. Um, I suppose you could. You can go to certain certain strip clubs, I suppose. Yeah, probably. You know, I've never... I only went to a strip club once and it was on accident. I thought it was a bar and our car broke down in the middle of Kansas and it was like two in the morning and we were like, let's go get a drink. And the only place that was open was this bar called Twisters. And it made sense once we walked in why it was called Twisters because it was just like a strip club and there was nobody there. Um and we got there with like 10 minutes until close, but they were running on bar time, which means they put the clocks forward more. And uh, they were like, you have two minutes to order and finish whatever drinks you want. So me, this is when we were in college and like me and two other people got and finished like three drinks in two minutes. And it was like, not really enjoyable. And then we were stuck in Emporia, Kansas for three days and it was like a hundred degrees. That was when you're on your way out to South by. No, it was um, on my way out to what was a failed trip to New Orleans. Because once that car broke down, we were sort of fucked. So then we turned around and went to Chicago. Because uh, that was when I was living in Minneapolis. So, but yeah, 18. I was older than 18, but you know that's something you could do when you're 18, I suppose. Except for the drinking part. So I don't know. Well, usually it's weird. They have. Like spots, especially in California, they'll have like these these eighteen and over strip clubs where there's no alcohol, so it's full nudity. Okay. And then they'll have the twenty one and over strip club where there is alcohol and then it's only topless. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Hasn't been my scene. It's never you been mine. It's never been mine actually either. But, okay. um, yeah, you just I think, stuff. I think I've, I think I feel like I've maybe in my, uh, 
Well, I, 36 years of existence almost and 18 of those possibly being able to go to a strip club. I've yeah. at most been, I don't know, seven times. Yeah. And it's, yeah. uh, yeah. I feel like it's such a touristy thing here in Portland too. Cause there's like the most More strip clubs per, per capita. capita. Yeah. And then there's also like the strip clubs here also are known for their food. <laughs> so it's right. like, you know, right. it's like, it's like going to Atlanta and like you go to the strip club to get wings. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's like, a what, what's the, what's the food at like a Portland strip club? So like Acropolis is a very popular one here in Portland and they're known for being like a really dope place to get steaks and very and for like a super cheap price you get these steaks and i guess the deal is is the dude that owns the strip club also owns a ranch so sick yeah i don't know genius crazy anyway that's episode 18 yeah it's it's episode 18 it's we're doing title fight hyperview. This is out of your discogs collection. Something nice. I uh, pulled out because I have heard you speak about this record over the last five years or so. Mm-hmm. But what is your, your relationship to title fight and stumbling upon this record? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny you brought up, um, south by because i think the first time that i really listened to title fight was at south by and it was 2015 so this record had just come out um and maybe i'd I'd maybe heard like some stuff off of whatever was it floral green the record Mm -hmm. before this yep um i'd maybe heard some stuff uh I, i remember watching the video for head in the ceiling fan um, but I didn't really like have much of a relationship with them at all. And then I went to South by with a f- few friends, um, 2015, my senior year of college. And it was the Vans, um, like showcase. And it was, a uh, hundred waters played and, um, a side project from arcade fire. I think. And then Migos was the first time I've now seen Migos multiple times. <laughs> um, and Waxahachie nice. and Vince Staples, who I didn't know at that time, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, isn't and, that where you saw Baron Davis? Yeah. Baron Davis was <laughs> at that fucking show, dude. Yeah. It was a very cool and title fight, uh, but it was a very cool like setting. It was like an outdoor stage and it had like two staircases going up on both sides. Like the whole thing was no larger really than like, like Numos, you know, it was probably Mm -hmm. like a, like 800 people max and South by just has like so much. I mean, it was a free show and there was free drinks and, you know, we had to get in line and we waited in line for probably two hours, but then we got to see all of those acts play for like an hour and yeah, fucking Baron Davis was there, which was very tight. Yeah. So then I saw, I saw title fight and I, I really liked it a lot. Um, and then I wound up, you know, this record had just come out in February of that year and South by is in March. So they were touring on that record and it seemed like it pissed off a lot of their, 
uh, fans, <laughs> you know, this record, because they used to be a lot more sort of post-hardcore and just have a different sound. And I think it was interesting because to me, my entry point was really this record. So then I listened back to some of the earlier stuff and it didn't hit me like this did. So I was sort of like the anomaly where this is the record that got me, whereas I think this is also a record that they lost a lot of fans on. Yeah. But it also, it seems like critically it did pretty well. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think so. Like, I don't really, let's see. I don't have the, yeah, I mean, it got a bunch of like eights and sevens. Yeah. Which I don't know what any of that stuff really means. Especially like a seven, you know? What does that mean? Like, listen to it and see if you like it for yourself. Hmm. I feel like that's, like, pretty fair. Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like a seven is maybe going to be something that uh, is going to be, like, a good record. But maybe nothing out of the ordinary or anything that's, like, really moving mm-hmm. moving mm-hmm. the needle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. So what like what grabs you about this record? Is it like the shoegazy shit? Yeah, I think it is. I love I I just love shoegazy. I I like yeah, shoegaze music. I love the the whammy bar. I love the <laughs> uh, Yeah, just the distortion and but this record also has sort of like a uh pretty like gentle side to it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of what I think I like about it is that it's it's dreamy and spacey and subtle, but it also like every song is sort of got distorted guitars and it really reminded me of um, this fucking band I love from the Bay called Toner. Um, I also am like a big fan of Weed, um, former Lefsa Records band and uh and they're all sort of just like shoegazy guitar driven music with sort of like low mixed vocals that sort of get lost in thing and yeah i don't know it's just sort of like i don't know what it is that make this record like stick out to me you know some of it reminds me a little bit of that um uh trench record Mm-hmm. that we both recently bought. Yeah. Um I bought two. <laughs> yeah, you bought two, dude. It's amazing. Um Yeah, so I don't know. It's hard I don't know exactly what like makes it stick out for me personally other than every single song I was like engaged with, you know. Mm. What what about I mean, what do you think? Have you had had you listened to Title Fight before? Yeah, I got hip to Title Fight probably about a year before this record came out or maybe the same year or so Mm -hmm. uh, i went to the wonder ballroom here in portland to see circa survive yeah and title fight opened for them and i caught their whole set and i thought it was rad i thought it was fun it was uh i don't know if it felt like something that i could have seen at a house show totally yeah and i think that they probably played they probably played a little bit of this around like that time they must have played at least a couple of these songs 
what and year was lots it? of stuff lots of stuff off floral green okay cool yeah uh, and that was the record that I went to, I guess was, that was the record that was out most mm-hmm. current when I saw them. Mm-hmm. Hyperview had not come out. And so I went back after that show and, and checked out that record a lot. And I dug some tunes on that. I ha- I really had it in my brain that I had floral green in my, my vinyl collection, but I don't. That's how you know you have too many records. Yeah. I, I don't have it. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dug the music. It wasn't like anything I like ever tapped into super heavy or had it really heavy in the rotation. Just every once in a while, I would remember Title Fight or something would, you know, hit me in a similar way and I would put it on again. Be like, oh, this mm-hmm. is cool. But never really uh, paid much attention to this record. Maybe listened to it in passing once or twice when it came out and. I know that you have kind of always spoken about it and it just kind of being this this different record than mm-hmm. the previous releases, which it definitely like, yeah, it moves away a little bit from the post-hardcore stuff a little bit, I think. And right. maybe even has like, since there is like those shoegazy guitars throughout it, maybe even has like a darker almost like gothy side to it in some ways in like a cure way i feel yeah. like sometimes yeah that's yeah totally which the cure has never been in like a band that i love but definitely like respect the fuck out of like robert smith and like yeah. you know there's there's some amazing songs in that yeah. catalog i don't i don't i think this record's fine yeah for me i'm not it doesn't do it for you it doesn't like it's kind of one of those things. I'll I'll have some good things to say about this album too. Yeah. Um, but I, it's definitely one of those things where there's there's just other records in this realm that that hit me yeah. stronger. Yeah, I think that like you said, like it definitely feels like something that you would see at a house show, and. I think that that's another reason that I sort of gravitated towards it was because like weed, for example, that band I mentioned before, like I, you know, had only seen them in basements and toner. I haven't seen, but they're playing with bands like weed, like, you know, like it is like DIY sort of house show vibes. And that was like, totally what i was really immersed in um back then especially in 2015 so i think my ears were sort of just like you know really ready for you know open for for sort of this um yeah yeah i think that i don't think that this is like a life-changing listen but I do think it's a record that if you're in the mood for something like this, it's one of those records where you don't have to skip any songs, hmm. you know, and that's such a valuable thing for me. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I think it's like cool to just have on. It's because uh, and this is like by no means me being attached to title fight in some previous way and mm-hmm. and being one of those fans of them that just really didn't appreciate this record at all. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, 
Like I I like this murder your memory track, the opening track on the record. Yeah. I think this is a a cool way to open things up and just kind of introduce the tones of you know some foreshadowing of what this record's going to be about and that maybe it's going to have a, a different feel than the the previous releases for sure. After you play a clip of, of Murder Your Memory, go ahead and play a clip of something off of Floral Green or something before that. And like, I mean, they were touring with Circus Survive. They were touring with La Dispute, you know, like, yeah, they were touring with like a whole nother like style realm scene. And this is like a pretty big 180, you know. I mean, to me, this makes sense, and even this record makes a lot of sense, though, in the context of Circa stuff, just because of how progressive, like, the Circa catalog is, and, like, that it... Yeah, I see that. It really hits, like, a lot of different dynamics, and it's not always going 100 all the time. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of, like, I don't know, some a lot of spacey moments and, and room to kind of, like, really explore the music. I think totally. I think though, like for me on on this Hyperview album, I kind of, with the exception of a couple tracks that we'll get into, I do kind of feel like this this album moves all at one speed, or like at least, like there's some tempo changes from song to song, but each song to me kind of feels like it's all in one gear most of the time, right. Yeah, no, I think I I think that that's totally true, and I think that that's something that can be a plus or a minus, you know, on any record. Like sometimes you try to switch it up, and then you wind up getting merry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like maybe yeah, in a no, similar way like that, that like the washed out, you know, yeah, didn't just hit didn't, you, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Um. I will say Chlorine, the second song, I think is great. Oh, this is one of my favorite tracks on the record. Like, I yeah. love the first two tracks on this album. Um, 
I think like this, like chlorine to me is a very cool balance between what you've previously heard from title fight at this point, but then showing this new shoegazy mm-hmm. look of it now. But I think you still have like one main difference between this and some of their earlier stuff, I think is in the vocals, you know, like you have a lot more like of the sort of like yelling SoCal like pop punk post hardcore stuff with stuff off of Floral Green and before where like the vocals are really like like we're, we're like screaming you know yeah we're not like like what note you hit doesn't matter like that's not the point you know um, agreed you know it's like it's like on some Fugazi vibe in that way the earlier stuff and then Hyperview, Chlorine being an example of like, yeah, it's got more up-tempo stuff that maybe feels like their earlier stuff, but you still have like a melody vocally. Like we're still singing, you know? Um, I think that's where I get like some of those kind of 80s. The know, Cure. Oh yeah. Cure totally. vibes. But also with Chlorine, you get those those breaks in between the chorus and the, the verses which eventually kind of becomes the end of the song. Like if you get into uh, like that 2.30 mark of the song, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that introduces some of those sonic youth feels. Oh yeah, totally. sort of a bridge of that same part at some point in the song and then it goes right back into the the main riff and it just feels really cool right but yeah so like hyper night i i understand if like i don't know this is one of the ones that's like it's cool but it's like i understand if like the record starts to lose you or sound the same at this point yeah i, th- I think that's like a big issue for me on on this record is that a lot of times I just feel like I'm listening to the same song and I do. I really like this, this baseline that hyper night has. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that that's a, a cool element to this tune, but I don't know. I just don't know that like well, anything the, the like tones... that interesting happens to me. No, I agree. I think that, well, I understand in that, the tones that they're using on their instruments are like the same on almost every song, you know? Yeah, um, for the most part, it is. There's like very little, you know, changing of the tones. But I will say, at if you like play Hyper, Hyper Night from 130 
until about two minutes. Yeah, dude, this is the section I also have noted where this, like, I think this is a cool moment. Yeah, it opens up and it feels really good. And, and again, it reminds me of being at like a house show where I'm like, maybe that first minute and a half I don't love. But then this part just opens up and you're like, okay, cool, cool. You know, I'm with it. attached it to this sort of like DIY thing like I, I feel like I have more like slack I'm giving a little more slack to certain parts of the record I maybe don't love just because I can imagine myself being at the show just you know head nodding like we do in the Northwest yeah dude like I and again I had a great time seeing them perform I yeah. thought it was a, a cool set so like I'm not a, a title fight hater by any means i would probably go see them again if i had the opportunity to it's funny anytime like one of us says anything negative about a record then we spend like half of the podcast saying but i just don't want you to think i don't like <laughs> you know what i mean it's like no i yeah, know it, it's funny i mean i guess i just like don't ever i don't know i'm not super about just like trashing something because i know that these these people like I think are good musicians and have some songs that I dig. It's not like a a thing where I hate this record and even man, the producer William Yip. Mm-hmm. Done a lot that's of shit. The, that's the thing about this record too, is he's done not only like previous title fight records that I love, he's done some records within this genre in subgenres of you know po- post hardcore or like yeah did a ton of, of like the screamo stuff. stuff like yeah he's done a lot of circus survive stuff bunch of circa records i love he's done like a movements record that i love he's worked with so many Love's bands that i me without th- you yeah so that is uh panic at the disco <laughs> yeah this guy's got a a wild yeah, I don't. So I don't. I'm not sure. Like this one, just doesn't like overall do much. I think like that. Mar- is it Maroc? I don't know what that that fourth or fifth. Song I don't know is how the fuck you say it. Yeah, M R A H C. This one just feels like a weed song to me. Like the band Weed. Yeah, and this is kind of like one of those. Like I don't even think this is a bad song, but this is kind of one of the examples of something being all at one all in one gear the whole song mm-hmm. so but I feel like that's like I don't know I feel like that's sort of like a thing like I agree like in general this is I'd rather like listen to certain things that do this but do this a little better than specifically this song but I think that it comes down to just like, you can imagine, again, this at the 
in the basement, it's a totally different thing. Like, this song in a basement would be a blast, but it would have to be the right basement. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, like, because otherwise, yeah, it is just like what power chords and the same tempo with the same guitar tone. That's sort of some of the critiques that I saw of the record. I think that the songwriting's pretty cool, and in a certain way, they didn't under or overdevelop them. It's just sort of they chose a, a, a route of of you know arranging the songs that like didn't really have a lot of dynamic changes. You know, it's like a lot of these songs are sort of like flat lines. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's like a few exceptions that we'll get to like a little later and maybe some songs that I dig the most, but like your, your pain is mine now. Let's talk about that one and then play it or let's play it and then talk about it. Cause that's, yeah, that's one that I want to play. Let's do it. This is uh, your pain is mine now off this title fight hyper V record. Thank you. 
So would you say like this is one of your favorite tracks off this record? Yeah, I think I think it is. And I think I just appreciate again, it just puts me in that in that place where I feel like I'm at a house show. Like I feel like my friend my friend's band could be playing this and that I, I really enjoy. I also think it's interesting, like you know, at the one one twenty five mark when the or one twenty eight when the section changes all you can really hear is like hi-hat and then the guitar (laughs) like you and like a little bass but it's just like a single note guitar line and it's like sort of interesting because it's like it feels a little like under it just feels thin there but it just also feels like a choice and i think that that choice also like again brings me back to the place where i feel like i'm just listening to something and some basement in Bellingham, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I can totally, I can see that. I think that I really, for the most part, dig this song. And then I, I have this issue with it when it gets to the two thirty mark. Yeah. Where it goes crazy. And you get all those swelling guitars and I just, I hate the mix on it. Like I think it's so loud, yeah. That it's like it, it. I don't know that that part rubs me the wrong way. And I also just think, since it is so loud, I think it's like a pretty boring effect. Yeah, no. It. I mean, it feels like that. And I will say this too: like a lot of the effects on this record, um, sound like they are like built in just like I took the stock chorus effect from Ableton and I just like dropped it on my dry direct in guitar track, you know? And like, you know, I don't, I don't hate the way that a lot of the things on this record sound. Um, I agree with you on that though, but it it is sort of just funny because like the guitars all just sound like, really di and just like in the front and they don't i obviously love this record but i don't know i don't it's funny because i've never thought about it and hearing all these like thoughts it makes me be like why do i love this record i don't fucking know you know because usually i have some reasons it's kind of the fun thing about doing this podcast and like hearing somebody like when we don't both love the record is like when you hear someone be critical of it it does you know it shifts your your thought process about it a little bit it doesn't mean like it it fucks it up always but it makes you think twice about you know thinking about that phoebe bridgers punisher record that i love so much and thinking about you know you being critical of maybe it, it sounded like yeah, it a disney like movie disney. sometimes and <laughs> yeah it's just like oh yeah i, I see that I see now that. i see that, luckily yeah. it hasn't ruined it for me right 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 but right. But yeah, I don't know. It are you familiar at all with Metallica's Saint Anger album and just mm-hmm. like I've the, never listened a, to Metallica. All right. So Saint Anger is a record that was put out like two thousand three and so deep into their career. And it's it's maybe like one of the like I don't know. It's a it's just a record that constantly is a punchline. 
and trash in what way not only oh, for like the oh, songwriting word. but for like how it sounds mm-hmm. and some of the choices they made on that record were interesting because they were they were trying to do something different mm-hmm. but forbid. what it did it was like it was it it didn't like serve much i don't think so yeah. like the whole record there's a very weird snare <laughs> sound and it's it's so distracting yeah it's rough but also the big thing with metallica is you have one of the the greatest guitar players of all time who's kirk hammett and just an absolute beast and with that record they put this parameter on it that there would be no guitar solos word which like i i can see how that could be a cool thing yeah except you've just like completely eliminated a shining star of your band yeah. And I don't really feel like necessarily that's like the case here, but it sometimes feels that way to me because you get like that Trace Me On To You song. And I really like that song on this record. Yep. And it feels like that's one that has more dynamic than others, which keeps me a little more engaged. And then mm-hmm. it also has, it has a guitar solo on it. And that guitar solo makes me wish there was a little bit more of that here and there and i don't i'm not even like talking about anything flashy dan just wants to shred bro that's it's not even that it's just that like put that solo on on trace me on to you what and... time is that oh here it is uh 110 107 Yeah, this is the tie. It sounds like this is that Sonic Youth thing we're talking about. Well, and it's like also like I think that tone is so serving with what what all the other shoegazy kind of shit they're doing. Yeah, and it like cuts through really nicely. Mm-hmm. So, and so I don't know. Those were like kind of the moments I was. I wish some of those more open sections where there's just like a huge swelling guitar maybe had a little bit more of that. Yeah, and I feel like. I don't know. I feel like like what you're talking about with Metallica, at least, and what might be going on here is, or what you think might be going on is like something that a lot of musicians fall into, where a lot of artists fall into, where like they're thinking about what they're doing from, and they're going at it from like thinking as opposed to feeling you know it's like oh we're gonna we're gonna make a rule no no guitar solos or whatever or we're gonna put this effect on here because you know it's like and you know i'm not again parameters are actually like you know you can limitation is a really good way to like expand your creativity you know like love it love it talk about it all the time exactly like if you want to play drums with just a kick snare and a hi-hat um you'll probably do a lot more creative stuff in a lot less time than if you have a 15 piece drum set. But if you get to the point where you are thinking about things, Oh, it'd be cool to do this because I think it would be cool to do this. You're like, well, are you listening to the song? You know, like, because, because the song might call for something else, 
You know what I mean? As long as you like, and that's that Alex G thing that we talked about when we did, um, whatever the record's called, uh, House of Sugar, <clears throat> where he's talking about, you know, somebody asked him in an interview about like how he writes songs, and he's like, I just sort of start it and then I just see wherever it takes me. I don't like try to say this needs okay this song is is going to have a bridge this song is going to have a solo whatever it's like you just sort of follow it um and yeah i feel like i feel like that can be a thing that happens a lot especially when people want to switch it up because they're like oh like this is my thing and i do this thing so like in order to not do that thing and to get on some new territory like i have to consciously not do this thing which you're already thinking too much, you know what I mean? And it's like, and that can be cool for like when you're demoing, but hopefully you don't get to the point where, yeah, I don't know, you, you your shit will sound soulless at that point, you know? And I do hear that as a critique of this record, like that there is a little, it does lack a little bit of like, some of the shit it does feel a little like phoned in in some ways. And I don't even know exactly where and how to articulate it beyond that, but I, I hear that. Yeah, it's funny in that, there's a lot of uh, documentary footage around Metallica making that St. Anger album. And you just hear Lars a lot talking about how he doesn't want the drums or like the songs to sound. He, he keeps using this, this term stock. Mm. Like he doesn't want it, the song to sound stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, cool, man. I get that. Just like you're saying yeah. um, of like wanting to switch something up. But making something sound like shit <laughs> is not the <laughs> or way. Or like, you know, tweaking yeah. something so it sounds so different mm-hmm. that it like doesn't help anything, doesn't make it cool or like a unique choice. It's just like really like none of you heard this in the room and we're like, no, nah, we can't. We can't have this all over the record. No, nah, yeah, and I will say also, 2003 is that's like a crazy time in music. That's a weird era right there. Early 2000s was a weird time for music, you know. For sure, man. You got like bands like Limp Bizkit and Corn, yeah, like running the charts. Yeah, yeah, with like you know 50 Cent coming on and like just like corporate rap, really, really at the top too. Yeah, um, the height of like Eminem. Yeah, you're still you're like still on the you're a little post now. You got like later Britney Spears. You know, you're not in like boy band era, but like you've just had boy band era. It's like that shit. Like I feel like the '80s was a really crazy time in music um, because of all the technological things that happened, and I also feel like the early 2000s, late '90s, early 2000s, from basically like boy band era through. Limp biscuit, corn, you know, that shit. Like, and that was equally a wild time musically. So I appreciate Lars trying to find something new, but yeah, at some point, somebody's like, I can't tell if this is shit or if this is gold. And they're like, fuck it, we're Metallica. Let's just put this out. It might be good. I gotta, I gotta send you like, I want to send you, since you don't really have much reference for Metallica, I want to send you something from like the heyday mm-hmm. of like something fans love. And then I want to send you anything off St. Anger just so you can hear yeah. Oh, yeah. what I'm talking about. It's Please. it's amazing. Please. And it's funny because it's not like, like Metallica has not made any good records in their late 
age. Mm-hmm. You know, like their most recent album is great. Yeah. It's it's killer. It's just uh part of the growing process too, and like sustaining a a thirty year career. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say is like if if people are truly artists and maybe maybe like they were doing exactly what I the opposite of what I was saying. Maybe they weren't like overthinking it. Maybe they were just trying to trust their gut and like only they know it, you know? And I think that that's also a part of it. Like a lot of Bob Dylan fans are just like, you know, they love 80% of the Bob Dylan. And then there's like, there's 20% that's just like straight trash. I don't really listen to Bob Dylan much, but, um, and a lot of them, I have one friend, Clarence, who's like so well-versed in Bob Dylan. He's, amazingly well-versed and he's just like you know what what happens with stuff like that is that you know if if you if you want the 80 percent, if you want those records you love you're gonna like a byproduct of those is also going to be these shitty records sometimes because like he's just doing what he wants to do the whole time you know and like that's that's something you know to to sort of embrace as well where it's like oh hey they went for it not for me but you know they went for it, you know, and that's more interesting than, than like not going for it, you know? Yeah. And, and going back to the Hyperview thing for as, I don't know, as maybe as bored as I can get with, with some of the tracks, I do find like some more dynamic later in the record following up, uh, trace me onto you with liars. Love is another track that it, that I dig, like I really like that that 215 mark. If it's another one of those moments where I feel like the ceiling lifts a little bit and everything opens up and probably one of my favorite sections on the record. And I think that that whole track maybe has a little bit more of the, the melody that I'm like wanting to, to hang on to. Totally. thing like even in the like just off the top like the the hits and sort of just the like chugging eighth note guitar again sort of sonic youthy and then the 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 drop where they go ding you know and they sort of like palm mute the first two beats and then they let it ring out on the the full strum on on beat two just like stuff like that that allows a little bit more like yeah, just like a different shape, you know, a little bit different contour rhythmically. I also really love the end of this song where you're just getting like that tinkering around on the, the drum kit and it kind of sounds like everybody's just making noise and, and maybe checking checking mics maybe in the studio, but that results in like the coolest transition on the record into Disney. Mm-hmm.
I think Dizzy is like one of the ones that they nailed as far as the guitar tones. Like, Agreed. I like the way that these guitars sound quite a bit. You know, it's funny. It's, you know, like I said, I haven't thought about it like this because I haven't ever listened to it with these ears or talked about it. But I feel like if they did take off one or two songs and just have like a little different production, that might be the thing that like changes it from you being like meh to being like, oh yeah, this is actually tight. It's got all the pieces, but I feel like it's all like so compressed in a way that like it makes it all feel flat, you know? Yeah. Cause like, yeah, man, when I when I think about that trench album that you brought up earlier yeah. that you turned me on to, yeah. I mean that that's something that I would maybe put on instead. In place of this. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Trench with like a hundred followers on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> Super low key, yeah. man. Yeah. I think they're I think they're actually making another record right now. That's dope. Like a good example of of sort of that lack of shape is if you play Dizzy from the 22nd mark, if you listen to the drums when it's instrumental and then you listen to the drums when the vocals come in, nothing changes. Just just listen to that. saying like the part needs to change or anything but it's like everything kept going except you just the guitar disappeared you know what i mean there's no dynamic change the hi-hats don't get a little closed like and it's a fine line between like i feel like there's like mazzy star songs that like do that same thing and that i love but like there is there is just an overall like flat line thing going on but i still love this record you won't take this record from me god damn it now i kind of like how that that song kind of just falls apart at the end there's a bunch of space like once around like the 313 mark you're just getting like the bass like hanging out there and you just like those little melody notes it's sort of funny though, because like this one ends pretty similarly to Liar's Love, especially in the context of the record. There's no other tunes that end with like, you know, sort of like extraneous shit happening after, except for these two songs. <laughs> and they're back to back. You know what I mean? It's like interesting sequencing choice. Uh, yeah, I kind of wish that a little bit more of that stuff would have happened throughout the record and tied some things together at points. Yeah. What do you think about New Vision? Honestly, like, New Vision to me really feels like a song I've already heard on this record. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I'm sure that, dude, there's there's plenty of albums that I have in my collection that you would probably say the same things about and 
I just have I don't I don't know what's keeping me more engaged on those ones I don't know if it's like lyrics or like melody moments where I feel like a lot of this just feels like a haze to me mm-hmm. no but that's the thing and and I think that like sort of what I was thinking is like same thing with like those weed records that I love um born wrong love running back um and i deserve um all three of those records i love but there's like definitely a lot of the same thing where you're like oh i feel like i've heard this song before you know on this record but you're either you're there for like it, it just i feel like sometimes with stuff like this like i'm not there for like the craziest reinvention of the wheel you know i'm sort of there for like 30 20 minutes of of this like mood you know and so like i'm not necessarily ever putting on hyperview songs um individually as much as i'm putting them on like the whole record and i'm just like okay i'm just gonna bathe in these fucking guitars because <laughs> that's all this record is just guitars 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 you know and as far as guitars like on that song i really like that 112 mark or so where it feels like we're like into some nirvana bleach on uh, tone guitars yeah it's a very short break it's like 10 seconds oh yeah dude totally. i love it. i love that that does sound very much like bleach So it's like I don't know. Yeah, this is like kind of one of those things. If if you if you put this record on, I'd be like, oh, this is this is cool, man. Yeah. Like if I walked into the record store and this was playing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. But if you put this on on a road trip, I might be a little bored. Like jump, four, jump out of the car, dude. In. You'd be like, no, man. <laughs> jump out of the car. <laughs> it's maybe a little extreme, yeah, okay. but. Uh, but also, it's a thirty-minute. It's thirty-two minutes. Right. But I do feel like it maybe feels longer than that at times. It does because because there's a lot of similarity in dynamic. I looked from song to song. I looked at that today and I was like, oh, that's a lot shorter than I thought it was. You know. Now we haven't talked about um, Rose of Sharon. Was that intentional? Uh, no, I just I think it was mostly just uh, there were there was uh, a similar. There was a good jumping off point to get into Trace Me On To You from what we were talking about from uh, Your Pain Is Mine Now. Rose Rose of Sharon is another one of my favorites. Um, maybe actually my very favorite song on the record, which is interesting because vocally it's a lot more like floral green. Yeah, and I think I like that, I guess. Maybe I'm just holding on to what I know title fight for. So do you like this, this song? So I like, I like this song a lot, Yeah. but I also think that the phaser on the guitar and the, in the opening of it yeah. is very cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. 
But then once we get past that, yeah, I love this song. Yeah, we should play it out with this song. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, no, I mean, now that you say it, absolutely, dude. Like I don't know, it feels it feels like that could have been on some like '90s Sponge album or like some Gin Blossoms album. I don't, even hate, I don't I'm not a hater of the Gin Blossoms. I think they Gin have some Blossoms great songs, some bangers, 100. percent Absolutely, yeah. great band. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. There's there's something about that tone. No, that's, that, that's that yeah. going kind of going back to what you were talking about it of like maybe this being some stock ableton patch yeah yeah exactly i feel like this is like do you i don't know if you played you know what i feel like wes or nick used to have like one of those digitech guitar pedals yeah the whammy it's like yeah and it's but it's also it's like a a hundred yeah, it has like a hundred stock sounds in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is the stock phaser from yeah, that yeah, one because yeah, yeah. my buddy Ryan, who played in, yeah, in our band yeah, forever, yeah, yeah. like he also used to use one of those. And there's some cool sounds on there, and we probably even use that like phaser sound in our shit. But for this, it feels a little like disconnected to me, and feels I don't know, it doesn't like sit great with me in the mix. And outside of that, I like this song a lot. No, totally. I mean, you listen to it with those ears and you're like, why did you make that decision? <laughs> you know, like, why is that? Like, you have a really cool song and you're going to be like, okay, let's let's open this up with just this fucking phaser. Okay. Solo guitar phaser. But hey, you know, whatever. I, I do love this song and I love how it um, goes. I love two things about it. I love when it goes from like the up-tempo sort of screaming thing and then the drums sort of tighten up and it's with the guitar line comes in that shit is top notch and then the whole second half or like the outro thing where we sort of get into this like slower sort of almost like surf vibe thing yeah in the outro you know great section yeah just very cool but again if you don't like this guitar tone that they have on the end of this song then you're not gonna like this record because this guitar tone is everywhere it's that dry direct in fucking guitar (laughs) that's like it's almost like no eqing or anything on it i love it but it's like very very much like in the front of the mix always yeah i dig it for certain sections i guess and like for that section i love it so but title fight, man. Title fight. Hyper view. Anti records. Anti records, yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, some label mate, huh? I guess so. They haven't done anything for six years though, so I don't know what what they're up to. Well, they went on hiatus in 2018, I guess. Okay. And I don't know what really happened. I, I didn't really do too much looking into it post that, so they've been maybe a little inactive. Yeah. I mean, as of late, they're from Philly, and I know that they um, sort of the same scene that Alex G came from. Like, I'm obviously quite different music, but I've seen Alex G talking about Title Fight and you know rocking uh, Title Fight merch and stuff. Um, so that whole Philly scene, it appears really like that uh, they did do. Like one of the one of the people in the band recently put out a book. 
Whoa. So, yeah, it looks like maybe there's just been some some shifts in things. I'm not sure if any of these other dudes are playing in any other projects, but them being from Philly also makes sense with their connection with Anthony Green in in Circa because he's from Philly, also from from that area. Cool. Um. So. So you're yeah, not, you're I, not I mean, adding this to the to the collection. I I would not buy Hyperview for my vinyl collection. What if it was like think twelve that, bucks? I seriously still don't think. I'm th- I think I'm mostly at a point now with like buying records like that, where there would have been times where I would have seen a record for like ten to thirteen dollars, and be like, and yeah. Even if I wasn't super into it, yeah, 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 totally. I would, I would get it. I feel like I would be getting it at this point just so that it was in my iDig Records <laughs> right. catalog of vinyls. Right. You know? And then you'd have to skip to the songs you like. Yeah, and that's a real motherfucker on, on vinyls, you know? So I got to really hope that those, uh, at least I know, you know, song one, side A is yeah, killer. Yeah, you can put that on. And you like song two, side A. Do I? I don't know what it's chlorine. To. Oh, what? That doesn't even make sense. That's the second song on the. Oh yeah. Song, All right. I'm sorry. Side I was thinking. I was thinking about side one. So, uh, uh, B, side. B side. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It probably starts with Rose of Sharon. Is my guess. Which is that's a great again. Great track. There you go. So it's the one we're gonna play it out with. And look at us, dude. We're gonna wrap an episode under an hour. Hell yeah. We I mean, we were efficient. We were. And then it's a, it's a short record, and I still think people should check out more Title Fight. The Floral Green is probably their most popular album. I think so, yeah. And then and we're going leans a little more post hardcore, and we're going hardcore different different vibe on this next one. As we uh, the next episode, we will be talking about Twenty Two a Million by Mister Iver. Mister Iver, Justin <laughs> Vernon. <laughs> exactly that's bone vernon bone vernon <laughs> that's right shout out to distro kid shout out to distro kid always for uh sponsoring this fine podcast and don't forget to uh you know hit that 15 or that 30 percent off link in the episode notes can't beat it 30 percent off your distro kid needs and uh it's already cheap as fuck to put as much music as you want up in in a year on DistroKid. It's unlimited, and uh, they're doing their thing. They're distributing so much of the world's music at this point. So appreciate them tapping in. So many kids. They're distributing a lot of... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't appreciate that endorsement. I don't think they're distributing any kids... But they're distributing a lot of kids' music. Whoa, did you like actually get that in there without any struggle? I feel like oh, we're always waiting. Now nah, I'm struggling. Okay, yeah, we got it in. Uh, yeah, all right, cool. Well, thanks, folks. Yeah, episode notes will be in the, uh, or the links, rather, will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with Cuzzo here and all of his, his music projects. Look out for that MA Volume 2, Mutual Attraction Volume 2. Yes. You just got your your uh, physical copies of it. When's that hit the uh, the world? Record store day, June twelfth. Record store day only, so you can't get it online. You have to get it in a brick and mortar record shop in the U.S. or in Europe or in Japan. Uh, I think we're we're yeah we're trying to get that one into Germany too. So 
Who knows? It could be all over the world, my friend. Germany is in Europe. My sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Guess I wasn't paying attention to that part. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Germany's in Europe, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Final answer. <laughs> all right, my sweet cousin. Well, we're uh, we've done it again, and uh, we're gonna see what this this cast turns into in the final ages of of the teenage years yeah. here. Yeah. As we embark on volume 19 of this thing next time. That's right. Old enough to be a father. And uh, keep digging records. Keep emptying your bank accounts into record stores. That's uh, that's my great words of advice here. Yep. And, and if anyone uh, wants to just Venmo me a lot of money because I have been spending too much on records just as a informal... Uh, you know, Dan, if you guys like thank you, if for you guys can see, the if you guys can see the look that Dan is giving me right now, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just to help me keep buying records and pay off my credit card debt because I've been buying too many records. <laughs> I'll have my Venmo. Uh, you can Instagram me. I'll tell you my Venmo. All right, we're playing it out with the Roses of Sharon. Yeah, Rose of Sharon. Yep. Rose of Sharon from Title Fight 2015. 2015. 2015 title fight and uh we'll be back at it soon another volume of i dig records <laughs>